You are listening to the recording of a live show. Please do not call or text, as this is a recording, and lines are now closed. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to uh, to the breakfast show. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio, that radio who's presenting the true and beautiful teachings of Islam here in West, broadcasting from the biggest mosque of Great Britain, the Battle of Two Mosque. Dear listeners, today... Um, as you know, we're going to strikes. We're still going through strikes. Uh, it is as it is. Uh, it's it's a new environment for us, especially for those living here in the UK. Uh, I was discussing this yesterday with someone um, and he, one of my colleagues, and he pointed out a very interesting thing. He said that you having strikes. Um, you you have more than one strike, uh, and uh, you would never ever imagine that. Thing from a country here in the U- uh, here in Europe. Yes, you would say this is very normal in the third world countries or in other countries, but you would never imagine that this would happen in a country here in the U- uh, Europe. Um, dear listeners, um, I have a, a calendar in front of me. So this calendar is basically. Uh, published by BBC, and it is showing us who will go to a strike for the next day. So today it is the 12th, so the buses will striking today. So those who are traveling around, um, make sure that if you want to be on time in your office places and workplaces, then do another uh, kind of vehicle. The next three days, on Friday, Sunday, and Saturday, there are no strikes. Then. And then on the 16th, 17th, and 18th, 19th, and 20th, teachers in Scotland are striking. 16 bosses again are striking. And 18 and 19, nurses are striking. So this is going to be very uh, difficult situation. So dear listeners, make sure you don't do anything like, um, hurt, uh, which can hurt you or anything which is going to be very terrible for you. On the 18th and 19th, next week, Wednesday and Thursday, the nurses will be on strike. And on the 23rd, ambulance are going to be on strikes as well. And then on the 25th and 26th, buses and teachers again are going to strike. Dear listeners, on Tuesday, we had a very informatic and interesting show about strikes on a drive time show. You, uh, it's on South Cloud. If you want to listen on it, you can do so. Uh, it is, as I said, a very interesting um, show. Um, I have a news to share so BBC uh, is reporting that ambulance bosses have apologized to the family of a man who died after he had a heart attack but no ambulance came Martin Clark age 68 started suffering from with chest pains at his home at on the 18th of November before any strike action started in the NSH his family rang three times for an ambulance and after waiting 45 minutes drove him in, the, in their ca- car to hospital. When they arrived, the father of five went into cardiac arrest and despite receiving medical attention, unfortunately died. His wife Anne said he had been crying out in pain and at one point wrote a note saying, I don't think I'm going to make it. Love you. Uh, this is very sad. That's what I'm saying. Make sure you take care of yourself. On the 18th and 19th, the nurses are striking. And on the 23rd of January, the ambulance are going to uh, strike as well. Um, dear listeners, 
today, uh, basically, I would say I'm joined here with Asan Hashmi. I'm joined here with Qayyum Rashid. But today, um, it is not the case. Today, I am joined with Tukir Tanvir, a presenter from Friday Show. Tukir, how are you doing? Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. I hope you're doing uh, well this morning. Uh, I'm doing very well. Thank you. How about you? I think this is the first time we're actually presenting together. Yeah, I mean, it's very strange. We know each other for a long time, but we never have presented anything together. Or maybe we might have presented once in the beginning, but I, I don't recall. I can't, yeah, same. I don't think we have done anything Islamic-related together. Mm. Anything to show them what Islam basically is. But you, you've always introduced uh, Friday morning. Yeah, see, I also introduced <laughs> your name, but it's the first time you have spoken out my name on uh, this radio channel. I'm very honored. Thank you. <laughs> I don't think you have still... Yeah, no, you have. Um, Tagir, you know, this is our first show, so um, I think it is good if you make some rules. The first rule is don't get nervous. And um, the second rule is I don't know how to make coffee with this machine. So after during the break, uh, news break, it is your job to get me a coffee. <laughs> but I will, I will get back to that. Um, as promised, we will go together for breakfast, and it's gonna be my treat. Okay, that's that's fantastic. That's fine, right? Okay, no, that's, that's no offense, fantastic. right? No, okay. <laughs> uh, Tukir, um, uh, I've mentioned that on Tuesday we had a very interesting show uh, regards of strikes and. Uh, it is basically to producers who are producing these very interesting shows for the voice of some for our listener. And also the breakfast show has very good producers. So what is the show? What are the, those segments of today's show? Yeah, so we have a very interesting uh, two segments uh, to cover. As you know, the agenda of the show, the first half an hour to 20 minutes of the show, we like to mm-hmm. go through some of the um, news which is happening around the world and even with news with regards to the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Great. Um, and apart from that, we go into our two main segments. So today, uh, the first segment uh, that we'll be discussing from 7.30 to 8.15 is deprivation in childhood linked to impulsive behavior in adulthood. So this is going to be from uh, 7.30 to 8.15. So it's going to be a very interesting no, discussion. No, it's going to be uh, indeed. I mean, children who are getting angry about simple stuff. I've seen this many, many times. I think this is very important that we discuss this today. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, followed by that, we'll be discussing New Year, New Beginnings, Life Within Marriage. So this is the topic we'll be discussing from 8.15 to 9. And uh, I just wanted to mention as well, we will be having... Uh, ex- uh, esteemed uh, guest who will be joining us for this. Uh, we will be speaking to Tehmina uh, Sayyid. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be talking to her. Uh, so this will be for the first segment. Um, and uh, for segment two, we, we actually have uh, two uh, main uh, guests. So Mubarka Orchard will be speaking to her. And we'll also be speaking to Gutsia Ahmed. Uh, so this is this is the uh, this the agenda for for today. Um, now, as as we are discussing the news uh, segment, uh, Silo, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Cristiano Ronaldo uh, joining Al Nasser? What, what do you think? So uh, I'm, this, I'm, this I'm, means? I'm I'm Tukir, uh, I'm beyond be honest. I'm still confused a bit. I mean, he is joining Al Nasser, and Saudi Arabia is going to play there. Uh, I think he hasn't played yet, 
But then he has made a contract that he also is allowed to play for Newcastle when they qualified for the Champions League. So he's going like for a year to Anasa. But then after that, he will go coming back. He will go back to the Premier League. So I'm basically very happy that if he comes back to Newcastle, because I want him to have a very good career, and I don't want him to stop playing football. Because you you know the game. I like people, who, who hardworking people. Right? Ronaldo is someone who, when he was a child, he would ask for money. But nowadays, he has so much money he can't count them, and it's because he worked hard for it. And I like also people who work hard for a long time of period. You know, it is said that football players can only be professional until the age of 25. Mm. But I, th- we have seen that there are still some football players still active like Buffon as well, who are like over 40 years old and still playing. And Ronaldo is someone who can make this possible as well. We have Zlatan Ibrahimovic as well. And if uh, Ronaldo continues this, maybe we'll have a new era of new footballers who actually even when they reach the age of 40, are still playing professional football, and this then motivates other people to take care of the body as well. Basically, you know, when I see these people, yeah, I basically only look what can we learn from them as well. And so, Ronaldo joining Al Nasser, um, of course, it's a huge blow for a lot of Cristiano Ronaldo fans because for a year we won't see him in the Europe League or Champions mm. League. Uh, but I'm... Um, it's going to be interesting. Um, uh, let's see how much impact this will have on the Portuguese national team as well. Uh, but I think that if he comes back to the Premier League, um, you know, Ronaldo is someone who has always showed his crit- uh, the, those who have criticized him. criticized him that whatever they said, they were wrong. Mm. And uh, they said that his time has come that he, he's reached his peak, but I think he can still do something. He can pull out something. Yeah. And and I mean, it's, uh, you know, for him to play uh, in the Middle East, it's, uh, I think it's very exciting, especially the World Cup. A lot of people criticized on, you know, why is the World Cup happening in in uh, in Qatar? Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of these critics, uh, uh, you know, they, they, you know, they, they, they couldn't say anything because it was such a great World Cup, you know, one of the best finals we've ever seen. And uh, especially with Ronaldo moving to uh, Al-Nasser, it's, it's only going to be more exciting for the for the, for the the club in uh, Middle East. But I, I guess here I wanted to give a Islamic touch to this mm-hmm. particular sure, topic please. as well as we are discussing, uh, you know, physical mm-hmm. health. Uh, Islam itself, uh, you know, yourself or, or an imam, Islam itself encourages that, you know, we should all... Uh, look after our physical health mm. and uh, keep physically active. Um, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of uh, be upon him, is reported to at one place have said that Al Mu'minul Kawiyu Khairum min Mu'min that a healthy believer is better than a weak believer. So what that means is that uh, if we are healthy, mm-hmm. then we will be able to perform our daily tasks, a rights that we owe to God Almighty remembering him five daily prayers we have within Islam and also we we will be able to give our due rights towards uh, the creation as well Um, you know Islam plays a great role great emphasis on uh, service service to mankind as well I mean these are the two main fundamentals of the Sharia as explained by the promised Messiah peace be upon him um, so Islam encourages that you know we should look after our physical health. In fact, the third caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community, Hazrat Mizan Nasir Ahmad, may uh, God Almighty have 
mercy on him. Mm. He actually encouraged uh, the youth that they should exercise and cycle more. And uh, at one place he quoted that, and I quote, he said that, why do you stand for buses and waste your time? He said, exercise, become healthy and ride a bicycle. I have said it before and I say it again today. In a short time, I want 100,000 Ahmadi cycles. An Ahmadi cycle is that which is ridden by an Ahmadi and these 100,000 Ahmadi cycles should have the ability to cycle up to 100 miles in a day. And in fact, um, at one place, um, at the Ahmadi Muslim Youth Association, uh, it's, it's a convention which was held in Pakistan on the 2nd of November, 1973, um, the third caliph said, and I quote, that there are thousands of other advantages to cycling. For example, many have to go out for household errands or shopping. And if you have a cycle, you will save a lot of your quality time. And the following glad tidings will also be fulfilled in your person that was given to the promised Messiah, peace be upon him. This is very, I'm sorry, very interesting what you just said, about, especially about cycle, because, you know, Cycle is something which keeps you fit, which mm. keeps you healthy as well. And um, His Holiness, Mazhar Mizam Masur Ahmed Mary Alabi's helper, the head of the Ahmadi Muslim community, he once advised me that I should do cycling as well. I should uh, advise this to my father as well. And then he said that he, when he was in Holland for two, he would go every day 45 minutes. Uh, he would always ride a cycle for 45 minutes. So, um, uh, in this regard, I mean, we have a lot of cyclists here as well in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community who do, I mean, we have this group of people from coming from Germany for the annual convention every year. Um, then we have, of course, he, he, uh, we have our cyclists here in, in the UK as well. Um, Tuki, you do cycling as well, right? No, I'm, n- I'm not a, much of a cycling fan. I, I, you know, tend to go for jogs or oh, play right. football. Uh, but that's about it, really. Um, and, uh, you know, one th- interesting thing to note here is that uh, if we look at some of the narrations, it is narrated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, also throughout his life, he participated once in a ra- race with his wife, Hazrat Aisha, mm, peace be upon her. And it's narrated that once he, he beat his wife, and uh, in another narration it is written that his wife had beaten the Holy Prophet, peace the, be upon the, him. The first one, the first race, yeah. Aisha, his wife, she won. The second, she lost to him. And uh, you know, um, the Prophet, when he, he basically, this happened after the migration when he was 50 years mm. old. So he was older than 50 years old and was able to beat a young woman on a, on a race. Uh, this shows that how healthy he was, basically, mm. and mm. how much he was able to do in, in this age. You know, this is the age people often think, I'm old now, I mm. can't do anything, but the Holy Prophet proved the opposite. And said, he said that you are still able to do a lot. And His Holiness, uh, may Allah be said, but he had a um, visual meeting with a delegate from Bangladesh, and he said uh, the same, that with the age of 50, you're not still old, you're still capable to do a lot of n- things. And I think healthy food... And good exercise are the key, key main key thing. As you just mentioned, that uh, for a believer, it is important that he stays healthy because he can do a lot more tasks. And uh, the Prophet, peace upon him, when he said this in the time when people would never look after their health, um, but he said it in that moment, uh, and 
actually motivated his companions uh, to follow these actions as well. And they did. They basically did care of the health as well. And um, he was basically right nowadays. People say that, that you can do a lot more if you are healthy, if you stay healthy. You know, I have an active child, very active. He jumps on me, he plays with me, and uh, he has energy. And uh, since, uh, you know, um, since I'm starting going to gym, um, I'm also doing s cycling in the gym, etc. I've seen that I have more power playing with him as well, more mm. energy to share with him as well. So, and not even that, I mean, uh, during the day, I feel very th active that I can th literally do more things which I couldn't do before. And um, I can, I mean, even observing the prayer, it is much more easier for me now. And I can do more I can for voluntary prayers as well, but I can go also around and go and look for other people as well to see how they are doing. So those tasks which would be sometimes difficult for me are gone. So laziness is kind of gone as well. So you basically right the point you have mind, uh, just pointed out uh, about Islam is that Islam is a religion. Dear listeners, it's very important. Islam is a religion who looks after your health as well, uh, who encourages you to go and um, to um, have healthy food as well. Dear listeners, I know you are making your breakfast right now. Um, I know you will have your coffee and a healthy breakfast as well. But if you have any advices to us to share how to keep ourselves healthy, give us a call. The number is 020-86-877-878 or you can tweet it at Voice of Islam UK. Okay, anything else you want to share with us about regards of this topic? Uh, I mean, I, ju I just wanted to uh, finish off by saying sure. that, uh, you know, we've looked at the life of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mm -hmm. uh, that, uh, you know, he uh, is also reported to uh, participate in a race. But also, if you look at the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, it is also uh, well known throughout his life that even... He uh, would exercise with uh, with weights, and apart mm. from that, it was his daily routine that uh, he would go on long walks. Um, and this is also noted within the uh, successors of the of the uh, the caliphs of the MD Muslim exactly. community as well. For example, the second caliph, uh, it is narrated that he used to travel out of Qadian for hunting, and once he participated in a race with his children and servants on the banks of River Beas. And it is noted that at one place he said, and I quote, that we inculcate the habit of physical exercise so that we can be lethe and active um, and so that our limbs become strong and so that we gain courage. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's just something uh, I, I wanted to mention. Uh, if you don't mind, because you have started talking about the caliphs. I know the first caliph, for example, he knew horse riding. And uh, the fourth caliph, he was a very active man. We have seen him personally as well. And he was known to... He, he would love to play Kabaddi. So Kabaddi is a game. It's like... Uh, it's a circle. And uh, there are two teams trying to catch each other and trying to make sure that the opponent go, don't go back to his own team. And this game, he, he used to love it very much. And he uh, it's very it's a kind of intense game as well. And he accidentally also broke the leg of one of his opponent but mm. he would love this game and um uh he's someone who would also play squash he would uh know i mean when he became a caliph he would go around in the one that time in pakistan with his bicycle 
to see other people and to go to the mosque, have still having this habit of using a cycle. Uh, and as I said, you would play squash as well. Um, he would also play t table tennis. And as I said, Kabaddi was one of his very uh, um, most, let's say, the game he really liked to watch and to play as well. But his aunt, after when he broke the leg of his opponent, told him not to play again. That's why he promised her he mm. won't play again. I mean, you know, it's, it's very interesting that uh, even uh, both you and me, uh, you know, we've started, we, we've been colleagues, you know, uh, <laughs> throughout Jamia, throughout the Theology uh, Institute. Jamia Amdiya UK, um, and this is something which is highlighted within within uh, the institute as well, that we should look after our physical health. And another rule uh, of the hostel was that we were not allowed to keep our phones no, for, no, 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 for those seven years. And I, and I remember speaking about this topic with my colleagues as well at work, uh, because all of us, uh, you know, we've also graduated from the same institute. And I, and I said that you know, now I can't imagine myself without a phone. But you know, th there was that time where we spent seven years <laughs> without without a phone, and and I saw I thought personally that uh, everyone else needs to give that a try because when you don't have your phone, you know, you've got so much time. No, the, 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 I think the listeners are thinking now we are like uh, <laughs> Stone Age people. We don't know how to use a phone. We do we do know how to use a phone, but the thing was, as you said. We just they wanted us to stay healthy and not to m waste much more time on our mobile devices. So they wanted us to go outside to run. And uh, this holiness has also said that that uh, missionary should ex at least go for a walk for forty five minutes. Mm. So this is one exercise we do. And uh, as a missionary, we need to do this every day at least to exercise forty five minutes or more. Um, dear listeners. Uh, you see, I think you have seen or you've heard another picture of Islam. Islam encourages us to go f and to look after our health as well. And not even men, but also women. He gave the example of Aisha, um, that she was challenged by the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, on a race. And, um, you know, Turkey, uh, this is basically a sunnah practice. And I have fulfilled this practice as well as my wife as well. I've challenged her to a race as well, many races. And she's quite good. I'm, I'm, I need to admit that. Uh, I won't say who's, who won the, those races, but those um, listeners outside, if you haven't fulfilled that sunnah, you should do so. You should challenge your wife uh, to a race. Let's see who is better, who's much more healthier. Uh, in this regard in fact that that reminds me um you know you've uh, as we are talking about exercise uh, just throughout the country as well the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association they're holding mm. their um their their gathering so how it works is that we have a national uh, convention which is held throughout the year but before it gets to that national convention uh, there are sub uh, small gatherings within mm. regions and locally, within and then locally, regionally. regionally, and and just uh, last week we we had our one, and uh, one of the competitions was press ups, <laughs> oh, really? and uh, they they told me to take part as well, um, so I I took part in the press up challenge as well, um, but the person who came first he he beat me, but I I still didn't accept it because. Uh, I I was saying to the or the, the judges that his form wasn't correct, you know he wasn't locking mm. his uh, his 
his uh, shoulders when he was coming up so uh, but it's is very encouraging uh, that no, you know every everyone was uh, participating in all of these uh, sports activities as well and encourages everyone to to take part and uh, you know just just and, uh, have have a good time and we had like uh, on the last day of the last year we had this uh, annual uh, sports day yeah for um, the young members of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community where they came together here in, uh, in Farnham over there, close to Hounslow. And uh, they have participated in, even though it was rainy, in football, in cricket, uh, I think in basketball as well. And this, this was very interesting as well, as you said. They were qualified to because they have gone to the sub-competitions as well, and then they qualified for the national event. And uh, we do so, and this, this was introduced by the second caliph. The only reason was he wanted to have some healthy youth of the Muslim community who were able to do a lot more. But to keep before we go for a short break, I just want to say that every caliph we have seen or we have heard of, they were able to go for long distance all the time. And even if you look at uh, the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, May Allah be helper. We see that he's over 70. May Allah give him a long health, long life as well. Um, he is quite active as well. And uh, you, you don't, you won't imagine that he's 70. If you see how much he walks around, how much he works as mm. well. And still looking after his health as well. And, you know, one thing I've seen, the listeners, when I'm, I had the honor to, you had the honor as well, to sit together and have uh, dinner with him in one room of, I've never seen him touching any fizzle drinks or any juice I've always seen him drinking water hmm. uh, not doing the food but saying after the food and um, this is one beautiful habit and I've seen him not eating too much as well eating very less and this is what Islam basically also says that don't eat too much don't overdo yourself keep uh, still uh, I mean um Keep the hunger in yourself. So eat, eat one third, drink yeah, one third, yes, exactly. and then one third. And you can do more activities as we can stay more active. And this is what I've seen by the the caliph as well that he would do so, and he would stay very healthy as well. Um, so this is one uh, great example we have. Dear listeners, um, we will go now for a short break. Uh, after the short break, uh, we will be back with the first segment, which. Um, then inshallah will be very interesting so do me a favor stay tuned with the voice of some radio storm clouds forwarding us of a third world war are getting heavier by the day the effects of such a war would last for decades to come generation after generation of children would more than likely be born crippled or with genetic uh, defects due to the lasting effect of the radiation. Thus, it is the urgent need of the time for mankind to work towards safeguarding our future. Good morning. 
أشهد أن لا أشهد أن محمدا You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to the Breakfast Show. You're listening to Voice of Islam Radio, broadcasting from Vegas Mosque here in Great Britain, the Battle of Two Mosque. My name is Shamun Ahmad and I'm joined here with my co host Tukir Danvir and Tukir. We're coming to the first segment of this show. Deprivation in childhood linked to impulsive behavior in adulthood. It's very important uh, to get this. I want to share some very interesting facts as well. I'm sure you're going to do as well. As well. But before we do, what is the gist of the story? Yeah, so uh, the, the gist of this story uh, is, is very interesting. Is that uh, researchers they found a link between childhood deprivation, um, impulsive behavior, and addictions later in life. And behaviors include over overreacting, taking drugs, smoking uh-huh. cigarettes, and gambling. And a second study found uh, adults living in deprived areas displayed similar impulsive traits. Um, so th- this is uh, the gist of the story. But... Uh, uh, some of the some of the uh, discussions that we will be looking into uh, is that we'll be looking into uh, li- you know some of the some of the reason why the childhood deprivation uh, these children face is that they limited money for everyday resources including quality housing stress of living in poverty unhealthy lifestyles poorer education and employment opportunities so uh, this is this the gist of the story and it i mean it's a, it's a huge issue um and and we we've covered this on the voice of islam radio station quite a number of times um you know that uh, what what needs to be done or what should be the, the role of the parents in this situation and what should also be the role of the of the children uh, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. what they should be doing um, and this is something we'll be discussing it's, it's throughout uh, this. Basically, we're discussing the next generation how we can make sure that they have that they don't go astray. Um, kid, we have seen last year a young boy, age of sixteen, in Texas, entering a nursery, killing more than twenty children and two teachers. He had something. He went through something. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, and the same thing happened in the same country in uh, in Walmart as well. We have seen these things in America, in Germany, in countries where you think that young normal uh, boys and girls 
or getting angry about small things as well, be it a l- l- loss in a FIFA game or be it a loss on uh, that one of your favorite team has lost or your parents told you not to do certain things. And uh, not even that. Sometimes then if they see that they just want to be... I mean, I'm talking a lot about what I've observed with my own eyes, okay? I've seen people, okay, I've seen young people my age, yes, who became drug addicted only they, because they wanted to be cool. Only because they wanted to be a part of a gang and they wanted to have certain other friends because they thought, okay, I'm going to be very famous if I stay with them. No, they are struggling with their lives. They are regretting what they have done. They have spent time, I'm honest, I've, those people I've grown up, three of them, yes, are in jail. One of them unfortunately passed away as well. They have n- no education, no life basically. And w- the only thing is that they have this anger. This anger and they don't know what to go with this anger. They leave it out on someone else as well. And so that's why I'm... This uh, it, it is a very int- uh, interesting topic because you know, okay, um, when I was in school, uh, when I was uh, fifth grade or sixth grade, I can't remember, uh, in Germany at that time, uh, in a city called Erfurt, um, y- a young man entered the school and he killed his old classmates and teachers. Mm. No, they, they, they couldn't understand the reason why this happened, so they looked after main cause they obviously they went into his house in his room and they said the first thing they saw in his room were posters of you know of this way hard rock people who just only speaks out about hatred about um, how it is to be dangerous etc why to be dangerous yes and on his computer they found games like call of duty these kind of uh, game shooter games where you basically kill innocent people, where you soldier, you go in different countries and you start killing these people. And they said this has influenced his mind as well then, that he became a, a part of this game and uh, that he just wanted to do, and because he had, he felt that I have anger and he wanted to leave his anger out and he thought the only reason is to listen to it, uh, to just do what they, his role model basically telling him to do and this is what he did. So, you know, we're living in a state um, where these games are still there. We have um, Fortnite, uh, PUBG, etc. I have never played this game. Um, and then ask, ask, uh, uh, Call of Duty, etc. Warzone, etc. People are playing and spending much, much time on that. And this is influencing their mind as well. You know, Toki, not influencing their mind. Um, as a child, when, for example, a child enters the room, even he's not paying attention to the game, his mind is catching up these things. Still, his mind is working, he's seeing, he's catching up these things, and his mind will work or will make him becoming a person like this as well. So this is how dangerous these basically these games are. You know, in I- Iraq, there's a city, I forgot the name of the city. They basically, the American destroyed that city, and um, now they're making a game of it. They're making a game of that city, called that city, and how simulating how they are going to that place and destroying it a game, on a game, and this is what caused more hatred as well for those people they have killed already. So this is how the world works, and this is how they are um, basically trying to get people to buy their stuff. Mm. And this is why, you know, I've speaking personally, what I've seen, observe as well. 
You know, I've seen people who get angry about when they lose on FIFA when, or when they when their favorite team loses as well. Um, uh, the thing is, the environment sometimes is also not correct. We will talk this as well, the role of the parents as well, how they should behave as well. But Islam, you will agree with me, teaches also to be patient as well, to show patience in certain things as well and to calm down as well. Um, and not to impose anger. You know, um, the listeners, Allah has said about the believer that he is Tazumin al yes, who basically um, drinks his anger. So basically, says that he keeps his anger inside himself, but he won't let it go. So a believer will always show or will try to be patient and he will always, always resolve things with peace and love. Absolutely. No, you've uh, mentioned a very important point there. Um, and, and, and one thing I've realized is that you talked about anger, that a lot of young students, you know, they would get angry and they have all this anger in them. And instead of having an alternative where they could let out that anger through exercise or through some other way, uh, it's that negative anger has been used in the wrong Way I I wanted to mention here hmm. as well uh, an ex- a a story that the promised Messiah peace be upon him used to narrate, um, and this story is about and it shows the role and character of parents as well that when children do something wrong, then it is the role of the parents as well that they should tell the child that this is wrong, and the promised Messiah peace be upon him he used to narrate a an incident of a young child and and his mother and every time he had a habit of stealing and every time he stole something or he did something mischievous um his mother always protected that child and uh, as he was growing up this is what he saw his mother was always protecting him if he stole something um and and people complained to the mother that you know my child has stolen something she would always protect him and say that it's fine, um, you know, he hasn't done anything wrong. And she, she would cover his faults. And it is narrated that uh, he kept this habit until uh, when he grew up, he became a thief. And uh, it is narrated that uh, uh, because of his theft or because of the crime he committed, he was sentenced to death. And the judge had asked him, what is your last dying wish? And his his wish, last dying wish, was that he said that he wished to kiss the tongue of his mother. Mm-hmm. That 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 was his words. And so they granted him that uh, last uh, dying wish. And his mother approached the child, and it is narrated that uh, when he asked to kiss the tongue of the mother, he, in a very violent way, he ripped the tongue of the mother. And everyone was astounded that what has he done? And he said that if my mother had told me. Uh, when I started to steal at a young age, if she had told me that that was wrong, I wouldn't be what I am today. If she had stopped me from the from the root cause, mm. then I I wouldn't be here today. Yeah. So in, in this uh, incident, which uh, which is narrated by the Promised Messiah, peace be it's we realize that how important it is as parents that first of all that we should show our role model to our children. And secondly, also tell them that if something is wrong, then we, we should let them know that this is wrong and this is not the way. You know, the kid, you just mentioned a really beautiful point because sometimes parents say, okay, my child is still young. Let him do. He will, he will, 
realize when he grows up or they say he's not able to understand right now but you know Islam Islam tells us that the upbringing of a child starts when he's still in the belly of his mother or her mother because in that time and this is also scientific proof the child observes certain things if, if still even though he's in the belly of his mother he realizes when the father is talking to him, his mother if he's shouting to her or if they are um shouting to each other if they are um disagreeing on certain uh, arguments etc he realizes it and he feels it as well so everything what happens in environment he's catching it up and if it happened quite often the child will become in the same, uh, like this as well the first caliph for example when he said when my wife and she was pregnant he told her to write a lot so during her pregnancy she used to write a lot and so when the child was born he's he observed the same thing by his child as well that he was writing a lot so the child is observing certain things as well so islam is the religion who tells you right from the beginning even the child is not born yet that start for, um, the, that make sure that the upbringing is well for the child and this is where islam, the upbringing of a child basically starts so the child is born when the child is born then Uh, the first thing which the child will hear is the call of the prayer, right? In his right ear, uh, the call, and in the second prayer, uh, left left uh, ear, um, the smaller call for the prayer, takbir, right? And here, basically, the child will admonish as well that you listen. This is your duty. You're gonna be a Muslim. You will follow the teachings of Islam. You will be peace-loving person. Yes. You will help other people. You will serve mankind, etc., etc., etc. And then, of course, this is basically also God telling us that your child is born. Don't think that the upbringing has not started yet. The upbringing has already started. You will look after your child and make sure that from the first day on, your child is uh, behaving very well. And uh, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Uh, you know, um, charity. He, he said that this is uh, haram on us. Me and my family, um, basically. He won't accept a uh, charity. The reason is that um, he wanted to work for his own food, etc., and he wanted to motivate other people to do the same as well. But one day, his um, grandchild, he was eating a date, which he, which he got, got on charity as well. And he was a child, he was very young, right? And the Prophet, peace be upon him, he put his finger on it in his mouth and took out a date, saying that, the charity is not a haram on us but listen see this example is that he he was a child now young parents would say he's a child let him do something he won't understand the point but the prophet would make sure that the upbringing of a small child would be good as well that he wouldn't do any mistakes so this is like islam but Tukir, tell us like i'm sure god has told us more about this what, what we can do as well in regards of islamic more islamic teachings especially for our young listeners who are listening right now who are becoming uh, who already became parents or becoming uh, parents in the future how should they behave what should they do what is God advising us in the Holy Quran etc yeah so if we look at the Holy Quran um, if we look at chapter 17 verse 24 to 25 uh, God Almighty says, says in the Holy Quran and I quote that uh, in the name of Allah the gracious the merciful and the Lord has decreed that you worship non save him alone mm -hmm. and behave uh, beneficently towards parents and if either or both of them uh, should attain old age while you are alive say not uh, to them 
nor shied with them, uh, and speak kindly to them, and lower to them the wing of humility, out of tenderness, and pray, Lord, have mercy upon them as they brought me up when I was little. So this is a very beautiful prayer that uh, God Almighty has taught us that we should pray for our pa- uh, parents, that Lord, have mercy upon them as they have brought me up when I was little. And when we ponder on this verse, this verse also talks about that even you know when parents reach the age of old age, they become grumpy or they might say, give expressions of disapproval. So here God Almighty in reply says that if that happens, then in reply, you should uh, respect them and you should not say any word which may hurt them or, you know, out of anger or or disgust. Mm. Um, So this is what the Holy Quran says. But, you know, if we uh, look at the narrations of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, we we find that he was an embodiment of the Holy Quran. He he taught what he preached. And through various narrations throughout his life, you know, you will find that how important it is to serve your parents, to to love your parents, to respect them. I mean, in a society where we live that, you know, we quite often you'd find that uh, parents, when they reach old age, a lot of them will be in care homes because, frankly, uh, it's very difficult for, you know, the, the young children to, to or, or the the, the the children to look after their parents because they're very busy with their work but we see the quite the opposite within uh, within Muslim countries as Islam plays a huge role in respecting your parents looking after them and even if they reach the old age um, you know it's it's a great blessing for par- for for children to look after exactly. their elderly elderly parents um, I think I, d- uh, sorry, okay. I think the children should realize that how much you know, now I'm a father. Now I'm actually realizing how much my father basically sacrificed for me because I'm doing the same for my son now. Um, but I think it's important that the children should realize that before they they becoming parents, so they can do more and look after them. Sorry, I just interrupted you. No, no, that's that's fine. Uh, uh, I just wanted to narrate a few narrations of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, mm-hmm. where sure. he highlights sure, sure. Uh, the the importance of looking after the elderly. So once a person came to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he sought his advice about taking part in jihad with him. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, asked him whether his mother was alive. And he answered, yes. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, told him that go home and serve as serve her as heaven was mm. under her feet. Wow. Wow. Um, so here we have a narration of... Uh, a person comes to the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, and he says that he wishes to take part in jihad or the the best form of jihad. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the Holy Prophet peace be upon him says, for you, your best jihad uh, is that you go and you serve your parents, so you, ba- you serve your mother. Basically, st- jihad means to struggle, right? That's the actual word of jihad. Is nothing to do with uh, war or holy war. It's basically, the meaning of jihad is struggle. And the Prophet said. Go and struggle for your old mother. Do whatever she said and help her, right? And this is very amazing what you said, especially the part when you said that heaven is underneath uh, the foot of, her, of your mother. I, I mean, this is a narration, again, of the Holy Prophet, peace be mm. upon him, that heaven lies under the feet of your mother. Amazing. Um, and this just goes to show that uh, the, how important a role of a mother is to the children. I think this also shows 
how much respect basic Islam has for women as well, especially for mothers as well. We have so much respect for the uh, married mother of Jesus, etc. But this, th- this narration, you know, I would give everything to be like linked with this narration, but I'm not. So this is so amazing to s- to know that basically the mother is the one way, one key to paradise as well. Absolutely. But another thing here I wanted to add is that uh, I think His Holiness also mentioned in this annual convention on this narration that the heaven lies under the feet of your mother. He said that this also plays a huge role on the responsibility of the mother as well. If the mother is not showing the right character, the right role to the child, then then don't think that the child will go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Because if you show the wrong character exactly. to your children, mm-hmm. then it will have the opposite effect as well. So not only is it a great sense of honor, but also at the same time, it's a great responsibility. It's a responsibility. You know, you know um, to care about mothers, um, you just said that it's a huge responsibility. You know the caliph? We think the caliph is for us like the king, right? Um, he is the most highest and spiritual person of the community. Now, the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, dear listeners, is an uh, incident happened in Qadian, India, uh, the city where the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community was born. So when he became a caliph, he went to Qadian, and this is the f- first time when he met when he met his mother after becoming caliph. So she was upstairs and she wanted to come downstairs, but she was very weak, and so some few um, youngsters were helping her from, I think, from a chair. Uh, uh, taking her uh, down and suddenly her knee was touching the wall as well so what happened is now the caliph was standing there he could tell anyone to go upstairs and to make sure that her knee is not touching the wall but what if he himself went upstairs uh, put his hand uh, next to her knee so her knee would not touch the wall anymore and he would come down like this no, this is an incident of His Holiness, may Allah be his helper, showing, telling us that it doesn't matter how old you are, how, it doesn't matter how, what rank you have, what status you have, you still have a duty towards your parents. Mention the Holy Quran and you should fulfill this duty. And this is one of the beautiful examples we have, that being a caliph, he did it by himself. And uh, the second caliph, um, Tukir, when he became a caliph, obviously, uh, the task of Caliph is not easy. It's so much he needs to do as well. He's working day and night. And one day he came late and his mother, she was worried and asked him where he has been. And he said, because he was a Caliph, he was working. And she said, don't be late again. And he decided, okay, I will do that. He listened to his mother. And remember, he is the Caliph. He is the head of the community, right? But he still listened to his mother. So this shows a very noble example. And it's a teaching for us as well to understand what you just said, that they have showed us how we can gain paradise. It's amazing and uh, that our caliph did the same as well. Um, Tukir, you know, um, one thing, you just said that parents should be an uh, example as well, right? It's a huge responsibility as well. Um, in regard of this, the Holy Quran says, O ye who believe, save yourselves and your families from, f- from a fire. This is chapter 66, verse 7, okay? Now, the first caliph of the Ahmadi Muslim community says, in regards of this verse, Allah the Almighty draws our attention to keep on advising and admonishing 
our family and to keep them focused on good deeds so that they may be sa saved from the torment and gain the pleasure of God Almighty. Now, Toki, you know, um, I'm sure everyone has an, has an aim, right? Uh, we were talking about Cristiano Ronaldo. He had his aim, you know, to win every single sector. As a parent, as a father, you have an aim as well that your child is well behaved. When you, when you when when I pass away, I make sure that my child is well behaved and my grandchildren are the same as well. And the only reason is because I want to save them from the torment of the fire, which I just mentioned. No, uh, the worst. So my aim and everyone's parents' aim is they have should have they should have this aim that before they go to make sure that the children are well behaved according to the teachings of Islam because Islam is telling us to how what the upbringing of this is how to upbring the, uh, what what responsibility we basically have as well and uh, this why that's why I'm just mentioning this word that it is we should make a name every one of us before we go that our children are well behaved our children are healthy our children do look after the creation of God as well listen and follow the guidance of the caliph as well so and to make sure that they then are safeguard from the fire because we don't want anyone to go to do to hell and obviously we don't want it for our children as well so the responsibility of a parent is that he shows a good noble character towards his children as well he don't um, get angry at him he don't just start hitting him because this is forbidden in Islam as well and uh, that's why I think Tukir, um, the most important thing is as a parent that if before you know before he's getting before he's uh, before before the upbringing that he makes for himself he makes sure that he follows what he's saying as well that he implies in himself the same thing which he's telling to his children as well and uh, I think Tuki, um I know it's not easy, right? Um, it's very difficult as well. Um, especially now we're living in this day and age, Tukir, okay? We have one problem. One problem is that we have the mobile device with us. And I've seen this as well, observed this, that children sitting in the same room with their parents, but parents, they don't know what they what is happening in the life of the children because they're keeping it secret. In a, and the mobile device is a very big problem. You know, um, during a question and session uh, of the first caliph, a young child was asking a question to the caliph and mm. the caliph. And before answering the question, he just asked him, do you sit to uh, in a school next to a boy or girl who is not well behaved? And he said, yes, but I'm not talking to him. And you know, he, the caliph said, it is not a matter of talking. The point is you're sitting next to him and this has a bad influence into you as well. So change, you see. Now, we have social media in our room, in our houses as well. We're keeping it in our pocket, but still the influence is there and could have a bad impact on our children as well. So one thing we could make sure what to do is to keep these devices away from them. Yes, to though they, if they see that we don't use it, it may become a habit of them as well not to use it. And to engage with more with the children as well, to tell them, to ask them, and to have a friendly relationship with the children. You know, His Holiness, many, many times when people ask him how to, what we should do for the upbringing, he said, uh, make sure that the upbringing is good, make sure that you are a friend of your child so he can share with you certain things instead of sharing it with the friends on the mobile devices. Dear listeners, we're coming now for a short break, but Tukit has a lot of to share about how, about the upbringing of a child. Tukit, as um, we have already um, agreed on it, 
news break you're going to make some coffee for me <laughs> and i'm i'm going to treat you afterwards all right i i i, I can uh, if i have coffee then i won't be able to uh, have anything afterwards all right okay i i give that <laughs> you are listening to the recording of a live show please do not call or text as this is a recording and lines are now closed in the name of allah the most gracious uh, and merciful dear listeners assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh peace and blessings of allah be with you welcome back to breakfast show My name is Sharmi Ahmed. I'm joined here with Tukit and Veer, and uh, me and Tukit, we both have agreed that we won't have coffee right now. But after the show, uh, we will both go for breakfast. Uh, I'm sure, dear listeners, you have your breakfast right now. And do enjoy the breakfast uh, with our show. If you have anything to share about the upbringing of children, because this is the first segment, you can call in at any time. The number is o two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight, or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Okay, um, we were talking about responsibilities of a parent, how to uh, the up, of the upbringing of a child, but also the responsibility, sorry, responsibility of a child, how to behave towards his or her parents. Um, okay, uh, we had uh, we have uh, interview. Basically, what we do, we basically we uh, we have callers and they call in and we. Start talking, discussing certain points. But today, dear listeners, um, we won't have a call in. Uh, we have already a prepared interview with for uh, for, for this specific segment. for this specific segment. Uh, we have a Tahmina Tunuza Sayed. He gave her thought. Um, Toki, so how is going to be happen? Um, I'm going to read out the questions, and you're going to mimic her voice. <laughs> <laughs> Or if you want i can read out the question and you and you boys can just share the thought it's up to you whatever you want uh way as i go for plan e or for b we'll we'll read out the answers that she's given to the question yeah that's in, in your voice or in her no I, i will do it in my own voice all right perfect so the listeners uh, this is a small um interview and they asked uh, about tamina tunisia said the first question was Could you please discuss the potential problems children can face due to childhood deprivation, and is there any example or case study you could share? So, uh, Tamina, uh, she's given the answer that firstly, childhood deprivation occurs when a child is brought up with a lack of proper parent control, care, or subsistence, and in psychological terms, it is referred to when a child loses or damages an attachment. to their caregiver mainly due to the non-existence or poor quality care given to the child and childhood deprivation has been associated with the neurodevelopmental and mental disorders for quite some time in a study by the ball by in 1969 which mainly focused on the uh, maternal deprivation during childhood suggested that the short term symptoms during infancy included distress uh, detachment from a parent with strong signs of anger however long term symptoms were as severe as uh, uh, delinquency depression aggression affectionless um, and just to name a few so that is the answer given by tamina and um how how can families help ensure that children individual individual needs are fulfilled as every child is different yes yeah, so uh, tamina has uh, answered this question and she said that as every child is different and a parent should understand their child's specific needs 
it is not just important for a parent or caregiver to be presently uh, to present phys- phys- physically but also be there to provide emotional support and if a child is showing negative emotions or behavior it is important to understand where it might be coming from rather than dismissing the emotions itself so i i really uh, agree with mm. this answer True. that uh, you know if a child does any emotion you know as parents we shouldn't uh, disregard it anyway rather we should look into it that why is the child behaving like this and try to resolve the issue so the question asked to to me is in your opinion why do families struggle with fulfilling the needs of their children and what factors might be involved yes yeah, so the opinion uh, tamina has given on this she she said that uh, and i quote that in my opinion sometimes parents can't find it uh, can find it quite hard to truly understand what their child needs and a lot of people believe that they need to bring up their children in the exact way that their parents did uh which leads to an acquired and computed response to the children's needs rather than emotional responses and this could have a cultural aspect to it as there are strong cultural differences in emotional display rules and it can be quite taboo in some cultures to address negative emotions such as distress and uh, the next question also tamina is how can families help the children who are already facing difficulties due to this separation and what steps can take the, can they take to improve the the situation yes yeah, so the answer she tamina has given she has said that during the childhood infant stage adequate attention and care within the caregiving relationship immensely improves this deprivation however if the deprivation has occurred after a long period of time without being addressed then it becomes harder and as a family member recognizing that the problem exists and recruiting their help to improve the situation is crucial And the last question uh, asked to her is in your opinion how could the youth fulfill their duration as a result of deprivation in a healthy way so that it doesn't affect them negatively yes yeah, so the answer she's given she said that a person who has identified that their behavior or emotions have been affected due to deprivation in their childhood has already taken their first step towards improvement in my opinion and seeking professional help in these matters is beneficial as it gives you the correct guidance and the support you need to overcome the deprivation so i i just wanted to yeah, mention sure. um that uh, uh, tahmina she just a brief introduction because we didn't uh, sure. uh, go through introduction tahmina she has finished her um her bachelor's in psychology uh, she's got a degree in that and now she is currently doing her masters in cl- clinical psychology and this also involves clinical application of psycho- psychology and in order to prepare for a future in uh, professional practice within psychology and she is learning about the diagnosis and how uh, uh, path- pathology changes uh, over ages and life span so that's just the introduction on uh, on tahmina sayed um and and yeah just that's just her expertise she's given on this particular topic i wanted to mention we also did cover uh, we do have a small clip for our listeners as well um and this for the from the fourth caliph uh, answering a question on the moral upbringing and role of family in their children's uh, well-being to ensure a prosperous upbringing so let's listen to that 
Number one, in the rehabilitation of family systems. Whatever religion be, it's not just Islam, it's not a case of Christianity, Islam, etc. It is a case of family units which go according to the best noble traditions which they have inherited from the past, inherited from the past. So if they work together hand in hand without raising the differences of ideologies and beliefs, I think it's a joint responsibility of all the inhabitants of a country to work for this noble cause of uh, holding children back to the noble traditions of their forefathers. And for that, you have to take some very wise and uh, well-conceived, well-thought-out measures. It just wouldn't do for you to tell everybody, all right, let's build the families again. How? <laughs> The families which are disjointed, where the cement which binds them together is eroded. What can you do about it? You must find out what are, were the binding factors. What has gone wrong with that? Unless you take care of the parents, you can't take care of the children. Because maybe the fault lies there at that level. They have become selfish, they have become involved in their own sensual pursuits, etc., etc., and uh, they have not been paying proper care to the younger generation, either because they do not have much time to spare for them, or because the foreign influence of the streets and around schools, etc., are pulling them apart from them. Both are possibility, the possibilities. So. Attention, public attention should also be paid and uh, family attention should also be paid by raising the consciousness and awareness of what is lacking in the family relationship. Why? Once you know the answers to these questions, I mean, once you know the whys, why it is happening here and why it is happening there, only then you can get the answers, not otherwise. So I'm not going to lecture you in detail as to what I think are the reasons, but I can tell you the approach, the right approach should be this. It should not be on religion, religious divides from Christianity, from Islam separately. It should be on the common human basis first. Humanitarian attitude should be adopted so that you cooperate with each other. If you create religious differences at this stage, then uh, the Muslims will take their own responsibility, the Christians their own, and as such there is a danger of dogmatism playing a role in uh, splitting the society apart. And then they would say, these are the Muslim values, we don't care for that. They are Christian values, Muslims say, we don't care for that, and so on. You can, can't, can't cover your head with, with, with a sheet or anything. All these questions have been raised in Europe. So instead of making a campaign on religious ideologies, let's turn to the commonality of all religions, the common morality of all religions, and campaign jointly for that. That plus the analysis of the family situations and why the parents have become insensible to the 
responsibilities they share, they owe to their children. These factors put together, I think, can help us rebuild the society on the correct lines. Right? In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful, dear listeners, welcome back to the Breakfast Show. You just listened to a clip of the fourth clip of the upbringing of a child. Uh, very interesting what he just mentioned as well. Um, dear lis uh, listeners, uh, the upbringing of a child is that's, uh, very important because, as I just mentioned, it is the next generation we're looking after. Tukir, um, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, as you just said, he, he was a guidance, he's still a guidance for us. Um, he would l uh, make sure that uh, the upbringing of a child is done very perfectly by the parents as well. And of course, you mentioned a few uh, sayings of the Prophet as well. Um, is there anything else maybe you can share with the listeners they can take advantage of? Yes, absolutely, uh, Imam Shahil. Um, I, I, you know, we we started this discussion of uh, narrating some uh, sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and I and I just wanted to uh, carry on with that and just finish the discussion on especially the role of parents and how dear it is in Islam uh, that even as children, you know, we should look after our parents and uh, we should respect them. It is narrated uh, that once a man complained to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, about his father, who took his belongings whenever he liked. And the messenger of Allah, he called for his father, who was a very old man, and asked him the details of the matter. So a, a man, he went to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he said that, Oh, my father keeps using such and such belongings of mine. Can you, can you please guide him? Can you please uh, guide him in this situation? Um, and so the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, "Okay, bring bring the father. Let me let me speak to the father." And it is narrated that the the father then he said to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he said that, "O Messenger of Allah, a time was when my son was weak and helpless, and barehanded, while I had strength mm -hmm. and wealth, and I never hesitated to give him my belongings whenever he needed them. Today I am weak and barehanded." while he is rich and now he keeps his belongings from me. And it is narrated that hearing this, tears came to the eyes of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And he said to the son, you and your belongings belong to your father. You and your belongings belong to your father. And it's such a beautiful narration when, whenever, I, whenever I read it that, uh, you know, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instead of taking the side of the of the young man who was rich or who was wealthy, he understood the plea of the father who said that, well, there was a time where this this child of mine, he was very young and he couldn't take care of himself. And he used my belongings. He, he, he did everything he could for his own nourishment. And now when, uh, now when he is strong or when he is wealthy now, he's, you know, I can't use his belongings. So the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, very much disliked that. And he said that you and your fathers, you and your belongings, all belong to your father. Dear young listeners, if you're listening right now, what just took you said, I think this is so important. What a beautiful message you gave basically to the young, the young generation. Sometimes it happened that when they you leave the path of your parents you just forgot them and it happened many many times and i've read this i was make me so sad as well 
don't forget your parents they were those ones who encouraged you to do to strive for the best you could don't forget the sacrifice they made for you it is because of them you are right there where you are share the belongings with them they deserve this as well um takir you know prophets even they prayed for the upbringing of the children as well now prophet are those where you could think that they are the best of the upbringing of anyone mm. uh, there's this prophet zakaria um who prayed to his lord to god to allah that to have a child when he when he was very old as well and uh, his mother uh, sorry his wife she was not able to be a child as well but still he prayed to have a child and even th- there's this prayer you know and mentioned about him in uh, the holy quran uh, in chapter 3 verse 40 uh, sorry verse 39 where he says rabbi habli min ladunka zurriyatan tayyiba innaka samiyud dua that my lord grant me from thyself pure offspring surely thou art the hearer of prayer so even the prophets they prayed for the children but even this means that they even they pray that also tried everything to for the good upbringing of the children as well mm. and um, then this is this incident in, in, in mention of uh, Luqman where he encouraged his son to look after your parents as well you know we we, we were told this prayer rabbi hab, um, sorry rabbi hamhuma kamar biyan sagira right basically telling us that show mercy on them as they showed mercy on us mm. you know the same what you just said is the father showed so much mercy on his child when he had nothing and the child is standing on his two feet because of his father absolutely and this is the mercy you can show basically to your parents to share the things the belongings you have it's sh- if young listeners remember if you have more than your parents then trust me the most happiest person in this world will be the father knowing that his son is become more successful than himself and make the and the reason is because he tried he made sure that you become successful than him um to keep you know god uh, told us one other prayer as well and uh, this is um also very uh, important for us to remember that prayer is rabbana hablana min azwajina wa zurriyyatina quratna ayunan waj'alna lil muttaqina imama our lord grant us of our wives and children the delight of our eyes and make us a model for the righteous so make sure dear listeners we are wrapping up the first segment we have co- we have to start with the next segment as well tukir has mentioned so beautiful things of the holy prophet peace be upon him it is amazing what tukir has just brought up remember even callus prayed even prophets prayed for the children as well and they made everything for the upbringing and uh, this pr- prayer we are just recited is basically again just a reminder as well that we need to do as well as well that, uh, we need to strive as well we need to be a good rodel as, as well so they can become the delight of our eyes as well before i go then the son of ibrahim the last son of the prophet peace be upon him passed away when the funeral started the companions they saw that the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam the tears are coming out from his eyes as well and he felt this as well the prophet had no sons unfortunately they he had but they passed away in a very young age but he would take care of the children as well and he would make sure that the upbringing is good before i leave before we go for the next segment um dear listeners there's one thing i want to share as well once a person came to the holy prophet peace be upon him and he asked who is the most honorable person 
And the Prophet looked at him and said, You mother. Then the companion asked, Who is the most honorable person after my mother? And the Prophet said, You mother. The companion asked a third time, Who is the most honorable person after my mother? And the Holy Prophet again replied, You mother. Then the companion the listener asked a fourth time, who is most honorable after my mother? And then the Holy Prophet said, you father. In one narration it said that he asked who is the most beloved person, my, uh, should be the most beloved person for me. But you could see that he mentioned three times the mother and one time the father. You could see how much respect basically a mother has in Islam as well and how much respect a father also has in Islam. And the listeners if young listeners, make sure that you look after your parents as well. You know, one day you will play with them football. The next way day you see that they are not able to walk without a stick. So make sure that you spend all the time, you enjoy the time as well with them, but you also do respect with them. We will go for a short break, and after the short break, we will be back with the next segment. If you want to be a part of the show, dear listeners, you can call it at any time, 020-86-87787, or you can tweet us at Void of Islam UK. You can send us your message as well um, via WhatsApp or Telegram. Um, we will be back after a short break. Uh, stay tuned with Void of Islam Radio. عن عمرو بن شعيب رضي الله عنه عن أبيه عن جده قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إن الله يحب أن يرى أثر نعمته على عبده It is narrated by Hazrat Amr bin Shuhayb رضي الله عنه from his father from his grandfather who reported the Holy Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم stated Indeed Allah loves to see the results of his favours upon his servant. A new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam. You're listening to The Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. In the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Dear listeners, welcome back to The Breakfast Show. Uh, my name is Shamin Ahmed. I'm joined with my co-host, Tukit Tanvir. And now we talk about new year, new beginnings, life within marriage. Tukit, you are married for how many years now? For many years now. Many, 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 many years. The reason he's saying many, many years is because he can't remember. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm um I'm sure uh, you happily married. Any advice you want to give to the young listeners? Uh, for advice, I I would just say you know the main thing is just prayer. Um, and and, and uh, you know remembering uh, at the start of your relationship, you know main thing is that always remember God Almighty. That should be your first priority in everything in life, and uh, then. You know. And for the male members, do not forget. But if someone asks you for how long are you married, do know exactly the years to keep. 
I'm just reminding you as well. Um, the listeners, um, this topic is uh, very interesting as well. And I thought, Tukit, why, if we discuss this, we can share a lot of things, but why not having and someone who's an expert on this? Absolutely. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, to be very uh, delighted, uh, dear listeners, that we have our first guest of the show. It is Mubarka Orchard, mom of three. And she is also a Quran teacher of the International Telemul Quran Academy. And she teaches Quran commentary at Aisha Academy. And she's the president of the local women's auxiliary, auxiliary organization, Nchim. And she used to work in the community's memorial department for nine years. Mubarka, uh, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Uh, good morning. Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum assalam. Peace be upon you as well. Um, Mubarka, um, about marriage, uh, we both, we are uh, still young. Um, what is like the Islamic, t what is the importance of marriage? What is basically Islam tells us about marriage? Right, so firstly, I'm not an expert. If my husband heard you say that, he'd probably be falling off his chair with laughter. So I'm just, I'm just giving you um, what, what my opinion is really based on my religion. And I think every Muslim should try to be an expert in their own faith. Mm -hmm. um, and that's based on the Quran. So if we're talking about the importance of marriage, um, obviously we look to our, our holy book. Um, even though it's 1,500 years old, we're told that it's for all people for all time. And there we're told... Um, on several occasions that you know we are made in pairs and so if we are paired up with another person um, that would be within the context of marriage it's important so if you wish to live in uh, uh, with someone if you want to have a relationship with them whether it's emotional or physical that would be done um, in the institution that's the institution of marriage is for that it's for that reason um, and secondly of course if you wish to have children or start a family that would be done um, within marriage, and the Prophet, peace be upon him, um, he would talk about the importance. There's a plethora of, uh, of ahadis. Ahadis are, are sayings mm. of the Prophet, and mm. his sunnah, his uh, his actions show us that um, in marriage is, is, is a very significant part of someone's life, so much so that he said that the man who has married has completed half of his faith. Okay. So that's, that's very important. And obviously there's a societal... Uh, side of it as well, that you know the the uh, preservation of chastity and morality within society, uh, because um, marriage is the the bedrock or the foundation of uh, of society. So the good thing is, me and Dukavi are married, so we have fulfilled the other half of our uh, uh, belief as well. So we are full Muslim now. Mashallah. Mashallah. Um, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him. Is there any advice what he said on if he like if he th like if someone would go to look for a partner? What would would he say? What should we look for? Should we look for wealth? Should we look for um, her lifestyle or his lifestyle? What is the main thing he should, would always say to the believers? We should look after. Well, well he did list all of these um, what we would say worldly um, qualities, you know, looks and some wealth or, or family. But he stressed uh, piety, okay. righteousness. Yes. Okay, that's that's very important. The piety and righteousness. This is the most important thing. I think this is uh, very interesting for our listeners as well to know that. Um, Mubarka, what does Islam emphasize in the treatment of spouses in Islam? I think. Um, well, uh, if you were to go back to the, the, the wedding ceremony, the nikah ceremony, mm -hmm. um, and that's if you just, just go back to that, and it mentions um, the word taqwa, right. which we just mentioned just now, or righteousness, 
several times, which uh, literally means the fear of Allah or the, the fear of not displeasing him um, uh, and uh, to win his pleasure. So anything that you think that would um, would uh, please God um, and, you know, for example, uh, in terms of the way you treat anybody, actually, um, uh, sympathy, kindness, respect, love, loyalty. But um, one of the verses is actually, I think, the three verses that I mentioned or three parts of the Qur'an that I mentioned in the Nikah ceremony. And one of them talks about um, fear, of, um, fear of Allah in terms of ties of kinship. So, you know, and the other one is a goal and sadeed, to be honest, the honest or the straightforward word. Um, and the last verse talks about, um, think about the morrow, you know, think about the future. Every action has a consequence. And so you will be answerable to your actions towards your partner. Um, but uh, ultimately, it comes down to uh, taqwa and aligning, aligning your, aligning your uh, wishes, your desires, your actions with those mm-hmm. of God, um, so that you know you have a um, you, you, you can bring out the best in each other. I think as uh, as individuals um, by treating each other nicely. Assalamualaikum. Thank you for joining us today, Mubarak um, uh, Orchard. I I wanted to ask you. Um, Often people face challenges in, in, in their marriages. If you can please explain what methods and which places can people within the community reach out to in order to get help? Well, well first of all, I think you mentioned about uh, prayer and God. And that's the first and foremost, uh, you know, we, we, everything and everything, everything and everyone is dependent on God. So we have a huge support system um, if you wish to use it in our community. Um, so first of all, you know, you can, you can, you can, um, as our Khalifa, our, our community has advised us, leave your worries on the prayer mat. You can go to God. Um, uh, but I know in, um, 2011, we introduced pre-marriage counseling and that's where you would have a member of the community, uh, perhaps a senior member who would speak to both parties before they get married. It's, a, it's similar to, I think the Catholic church, they, they, they have something similar, which runs over a number of sessions. And it, it's probably one session where. Um, they would sit with the, uh, both parties and their respective parents, and they would talk about their highlight their responsibilities. That's very important. Responsibilities. It's not just about you know your rights, but responsibilities and perhaps the possible pitfalls of marriage. Because at that time, everybody's just thinking about the wedding um, and not understanding that there's there's lots of sacrifice and there's giving as well as taking. Uh, but aside from that. Um, your pre-marriage counsellor might become your post-marriage counsellor. So when you've got, um, you know, your initial teething problems or, or bigger problems, you could perhaps approach that person again to help you out. We have uh, missionaries um, who are happy to help. We have elders in, within the family. And if you want somebody who you feel is not affiliated with any side, it could be an elder within our community. We've got the, the Ladies Association. They have presidents, and sometimes people might approach their local presidents. Mm-hmm. We have the Youth yeah. Association. So. It's quite a long list, um, but um, I think what is stressed in pre-marriage counselling is communication. So um, first and foremost, always pray to Allah, but also communicate with each other um, if you do have issues. But there are other outlets as well, um, and they do try to, you know, obviously um, uh, confidentiality is very important as well if you do have problems. But this is amazing what you just mentioned, that we have so many ways to go to, uh, if, if there are some struggling to talk to people who are basically ready to help in this community. Mubarka, um, thank you for joining in and thank you for sharing your thought and your advices. Um, I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you.
In this day and age where we live right now, we have so many struggles with marriage as well. Uh, Mubarak mentioned for you, Mubarak also mentioned what we can do and how we can resolve these things. Okay, you know, um, moral qualities have come down as well. You know, few things which were highlighted or which would people were proud of, they are not considered as moral things anymore. For example, you know, there are different kinds of marriages, okay? There is one marriage, and this is true. Where you basically agree with your partner that you will be a couple only for a few years. You will be married for a few years, like say for three years. And after that, you can decide if you want to stay together or not. And you can separate. Or you agree of living with your partner. And this is, very, this is true as well. This is very um, sad. You agree with having your partner married, but you can have also intercourses with other people as well. Or you agreeing in that point that you have partners but no children etc those are different kind of marriages or method to i don't know to i mean marriage is not considered as a marriage is kind of considered as a game as well okay you can stay with them if you like him you can stay with him forever or you can slip and the most worrying thing is to keep um sometimes children because when when a child is born and then they separate they are arguing that he should take care of the child, not me, or he should take care of the child, not me. They they basically don't want to have the child as well, which is so, so sad as well. So, the, you know, as I said, the moral qualities of marriage, unfortunately, have come down. And and one thing here I wanted to mention, um, Imam Shahil, is that when it comes to finding the right person, um, usually uh, what the society or usually what happens when it comes to uh, match making or ser- or looking for the partner is that usually people look at uh, you know how rich is he or what's the family background what is the age or you know these are some of the main factors which people look at but if we look at the life of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him the Holy Prophet peace be upon him he said that some people and I quote he said that some people marry for beauty others for ranks and others for wealth but you should marry a good and pious woman. So, if we ponder on this saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, essentially what he's saying here is that your first priority when it comes to uh, looking for the right partner is, you know, looking at beauty or the rank or the wealth of the person is all secondary. That's not the that's not the priority you should be looking at. What you should be looking at when it comes to matchmaking is is the person a righteous person is, is is she a good pious woman and these are the qualities we should be looking at we should be looking at the righteousness of the person that should be the main priority and is the person god fearing uh, so this is what the holy prophet peace be upon him highlighted when it comes to selecting the the right partner also it is narrated that once uh, hazrat aisha the wife of the holy mm. prophet peace be upon him said to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, regarding his first wife, Hazrat Khatija, uh, peace be upon her, who passed away at that time when she asked this. Mm-hmm. And she asked that, uh, she asked regarding Hazrat Khatija that she was an old woman. So why uh, why do you, the Holy Prophet, still reminisce or remember her when the when Allah the Almighty had granted him younger and more beautiful wives? So the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he told Hazrat Aisha, peace be upon him, to refrain from making such comments because he said that 
Hazrat Khatija, peace be upon him, supported me when the whole world shunned me. And Allah the Almighty granted me children only through her. So a very beautiful uh, answer the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. He gave her that, uh, you know, when, when it comes to the right partner, he remembered the good qualities of Hazrat Aisha, even though it is narrated that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, was only 25 years of age and Hazrat Khatija was 40 uh, when 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 they got married, um, but however the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, he remembered those great qualities in her, and and he said that at that time when you know when the whole world um, shunned me, it was Hazrat Khatija who had supported the Holy Prophet peace be upon him there. So we observe for, for that for the Holy Prophet peace be upon him love of Allah the Almighty, that is the main. Key. That is the first aspect when it comes to marriage. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he specially regarded uh, the fact that Allah the Almighty's grace was first manifested to Hazrat Khatija, peace be upon him. Mm. And she was the first to accept him. And also through her, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, his progeny was born. I think, you know, um, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, the way he treated his wife is so amazing as well. Uh, you know, um, for example, when he when he get the first revelation of Islam, he was a bit confused as well. He didn't know what to do. So the first person he went to or he shared the incident was Hazrat Khadija, his wife. And you know, dear listeners, in the time where the Prophet peace be upon him lived, in that time women were considered as nothing, unfortunately. They were considered as object, unfortunately. And um, if wo a woman would speak towards a man or to a man, it would be uh, uh, disrespectful to that to that for that man. But here, the Holy Prophet peace be upon him, he advised his uh, he was looking for an advice, and his wife basically told him to go to visit his uh, cousin Warka bin Nofel, or uncle Warka bin Nofel, and you could see it okay how much he respected the advice of his wife as well, and how much respect he paid back as well. Um, once on a journey, when he was coming back to Gato, back uh, to Medina, he was riding a camel, and uh, next to him, uh, uh, his wife Aisha was also riding a camel. And the companions they run towards the Prophet and uh, uh, um, uh, run towards the Holy Prophet peace be upon him and uh, wanted to uh, help him coming down from the camel. But he stopped them and told them, "Listen, next to me is my wife, Aisha." Basically meant that go and help her. Why helping me? And so this is how he would make sure he would look after everything as well. You know, um, uh, uh, the the current head of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. Um, once uh, he was going for a journey, and uh, when he left the the airplane and entered the airport. Uh, his wife at that time she had an operation on her knee and she wasn't able to go downstairs so the uh, caliph asked if he can use a lift even though the way will be a bit longer but he was scared because the operation was still fresh and it would be difficult for her to clamping uh, downstairs so they then used lift and so this is how much she would care of, of his wife as well even though his Every moment, every second is very important, but he he would take the longest way only to make sure that the, his wife could use the lift more easily or could ha uh, have an easy walk towards the the exit. 
So this is, you know, dear listeners, this is how Islam basically tells us how to respect each other. Um, the, uh, the caliph uh, also said once that um, to one of the member, he thought one of, of the member of the community, he was walking ahead of his wife and he told him not to do so, but walking next to next to your wife. As well. Because this is what Islam basically is, you know, to each other can safeguard them as well. And... Uh, This is basically, you know, Islam is basically not a religion and also a religion, but also a guidance for us how to maintain, how to, what to do um, uh, and uh, how to um, look after each other as well. Um, um we have another guest on hold. He's basically just called in. He wanted to be a part of the show. Uh, his name is uh, Conado. Um, he is from Scotland. Um, I'm sorry I just said Conado, but... Can you please introduce you with your full name? My name is Ahmed Ousu Kunedo. Ahmed Ousu Kunedo, uh, a member of the Ahmadi Muslim community in Scotland. And uh, Ahmed, if I can ask, for how many years are you married? Oh, that's, oh, that's, a, good, oh. that's, a, oh, that's, a, good, that's a good question, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> It's a very so, good question. I, I, I hope so, your wife so is not so listening so right now. So, Tokyo is not even answer <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, already having problems. He's all, all, all the time on his mobile. I don't know what, what happened now. I, I, I know that very well because I was, I was fortunate enough. Uh, my, uh, my, my first boy uh, gladly came to myself and mom and he goes like, Oh, mom, dad, you know, this year is going to be your 20th anniversary of marriage. Wow. That's okay. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Pray for us. Mashallah, so, mashallah. so 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 he's already revealed it to me. So now I know. <laughs> mashallah. Well, so, um, you know, uh, what is the key of having a good relationship? Because you know, um, for the young listeners, if you can give some um, example, uh, not example, but some advices to have a good relationship, what Islam tells us basically what to do. I guess uh, uh, some of your panel has already um, said uh, quite a lot, uh, but. Mm. I, I, as an Ahmadi, I would say, I mean, <laughs> the key to a successful marriage is, is very simple. Uh, I'm trying to please Allah in that relationship. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Literally, every action that you're going to take in that particular relationship, there should be only one goal. Is Allah going to be placed with me in that or not? And that would then come with uh, some of the, um, I mean, uh, uh, the advice that we get from our beloved Huzu, uh, the Caliphatul Masih. Uh, the caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community. And I guess recently he's, he's been repeating it uh, and a few times um, that um, the, the threshold of tolerance, mm. patience, is actually gone. And that is why we, are, we seem to be having a lot of issues in, in our relationships nowadays. So to be able to have a good relationship, patience is a key tool there, patience. And Uzu beautifully kind of puts it in a very wonderful way. He says, listen, to be able to do this, I'll, I'll kind of paraphrase him here. <laughs> that he says, when you see something which is bad, uh, you just, just turn your eyes away. Mm. Uh, and in, in a, literally just trying to talk of patience here. You need to have patience and try to deal with it in a more uh, respectful way. Try and turn your eyes away. I mean, when you hear something which is uh, ugly, then literally just, just close your eyes, to, uh, close your ears to it. And then if, if somebody comes to you trying to incite you or say something which is ill about uh, your partner, 
just close your ears to it. Do not listen to such a person because people will come in and, 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 and spoil that relationship. And then he says, when you see something as well, beautifully with love as well, address it. And then uh, if something ill comes into your mind about that uh, your partner as well, then seek forgiveness from Allah and protect yourself from ill thinking because that, that's eventually what, what, what leads to the, the danger of uh, the, the marriages actually I mean, breaking apart. So there's, there's, there's quite a lot of uh, advice that uh, Beloved Huzur, and I would say uh, I normally tell people I mean, that the best of all is listen to the Khalifatul Masih, and then if you get that advice and the two of you are sitting down, mm. believe you me, I don't think you will ever, ever go wrong. You always be right in the process. True. Absolutely. Uh, I also wanted to mention to our listeners as well that uh, Brother Ganado, he's joined us all the way from Scotland. And uh, for the past few weeks, Imam Shail, he's uh, regularly tuning into the Voice of Islam uh, radio station. And, uh, you know, he's been messaging as me as well that, you know, his kids himself you know they're all enjoying the program from uh, all the way from scotland so that that's very uh you know it's it, it, where that keeps us going uh, brother you know that you give I mean, us this uh, uh, they don't have any schools because the teachers are striking so <laughs> very <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they're very grateful for enjoying the show no no, no what, what happens is that i mean it's not it's not it's not past few weeks to tell you on the street it's, it's literally every day because uh, that that's the only channel we we tend to listen uh unless maybe this we tend to listen in the car so when we are heading off for fajr we are listening when we are coming yeah. back from fajr yeah. we are listening and we we tend to make laugh and whatever when you do make that <laughs> make us laugh a lot and you know for instance Toki losing his his uh his, his press ups and he's still in pain that keeps us going, you know. That that keeps us going, yeah. So may Allah bless you all for that wonderful job that you're doing, yeah. Zakala, um, I wish you all the best. I know one of you, um, uh, son has also joined Jamia, the theological school, uh, here in Hazelmere. I wish him also all the best. Uh, hopefully, him, he will become one of our colleague. And uh, I wish you and your family all the best. Uh, have a good day ahead. Thank you. Jazakumullah. Jazakumullah. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. So, dear listeners, this was um, Ahmed Awasu from Scotland. Um, very inspiring what he has said, especially when he mentioned the caliph that uh, the advising he's giving us as well. Um, Tukir, a uh, good thing is that we will have more advice now because we have another uh, guest on the show, and this is Kutsia Emmet. Um, she is the president uh, of the local women organization in Perli. Um, Kutsia, good morning and welcome to the breakfast show. Good morning, Islam alaikum. Walaikum salam. May the peace and blessing of Allah be with you. Kutsia, um, I'll come straight for, to this uh, first question as we have a very short time. Um, what sorts of factors should be considered by young adults on their prospective partners? Uh, prospective partners, okay. Um, it's, you know, it's, about, it's quite a vast subject. Um, and then we can look at it in different angles, what Islam says, what we believe, and what is the modern trend about uh, choosing a partner. Uh, first of all, we have to think about what marriage is. Because marriage, uh, in Islam in particular, Marriage is the foundation of family, and it is the only relationship which effectively builds community. So community life, social life, and having a stable family life, it is important to, to have, a, have a married life. 
then choosing a lifelong husband, partner or a wife, you know, one has to think about it very carefully and very wisely. You you can't take this matter lightly. It has to be, you know, very wisely you have to think about because a happy, successful marriage results in the well-being of that individual, man or woman, as well as it stabilizes the society. So in society in general, where we live, and in general we see the society, we realize the alarming increase in the divorce rate, broken homes, little innocent children suffering, single parents, you know, um, trying very, very hard under stress. And then also some young people don't even want to get married when they see these kind of cases. To resolve this type of imbalance in the society, Islam actually provides a good answer. I'm an Ahmadi Muslim woman, and in, in Islam, in my religion, uh, when I study and I see and I observe that Islam actually provides a complete guidance on all aspects of daily life. And think about marriage, the guidance and commandments about marriage is very, very clear, very comprehensive in the Holy Quran. We also see the uh, examples of the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him and his guidance. In one of the hadith, like the saying of the Holy Prophet, he said that marriage is my percept, you know, is my way, mm-hmm. wedlock is my way. And people who follow my way, my practice are, are like true Muslims. And he also said the man or a woman who gets married, he completed half of his faith. Mm-hmm. This shows that marriage is a serious undertaking for all Muslims. And then it really entails a lot of heavy responsibility, both on man and a woman. Because Allah has commanded marriage for a believer for three important reasons. I mean, people marry in all societies, every culture people get married. But for Islam, in my faith, there are three very important reasons why people should get married. So we think about those reasons and then we think about how to achieve and how we can choose a partner, what Islam says. So first of the important reason which Allah says, that marriage is to enable a man and a woman to live together and experience love and happiness within Islamic law. So if there isn't law, happiness, if there isn't peace, then it's not a good marriage. So the purpose of a good marriage is to be able to experience that love and nearness with each other within the Islamic Sharia. The, the second important factor, uh, the reason why Islam says the marriage is important, why Holy Prophet says the marriage is important, is to produce children and provide a stable and a righteous environment for the children they're upbringing. So the purpose of marriage is not just, this is, you know, to, to produce children, so people who grow up, and they worship Allah in that way, you know, mm. when they're adults. So to provide children a good, safe, righteous environment is very important where they live. The third reason why marriage is important in Islam, 
to is to provide a union which safeguards society from moral and social degradation. So what is a moral and social degradation is in Islam is in particular that pre-marital relationship is not allowed, is considered a thing. Uh, and uh, moral value is the most important value is chastity. So Muslim boy and a girl, they are actually not allowed to go out and, you know, have a premarital relationship. So legally, this union is to safeguard the society. Now, because it's so important, we have to make a well thought out and a wise selection. Wise selection for your partner with whom you or a person is going to spend their whole life is very, very important. So what does the religion say? How do we choose that? Um, Kutia, uh, sorry for interrupting you. We are, we are reaching the end of the show, but the answer you have just answered, uh, the question you have answered very beautifully as well through the teachings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Um, thank you for joining the show. Um, uh, and uh, again, amazing what you just said. I wish you all the best ahead. And yeah, thank you very life. much. Thank the you. last thing the Holy Prophet actually said that you choose a partner, you choose for their piety, mm. not for their beauty, not for their wealth. Exactly. Because beauty can, can go away. People can get ill and they can... You know, their skin can go bad, their wealth can go away, the job they can lose. But morality and a good character becomes more and more beautiful as the time goes by. So these are, there are more criteria in Islam, but, you know, times run out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Welcome. This was Kutsi and amazing what you said. Um, dear listeners, one thing Islam also explains us or tells us is that your partner is the garment of you. You know, when you wear a piece of clothes, it's keeping you safe from the cold weather or from the heat as well. And it's safeguarding you as well. It's basically covering you, your weakness as well. And this is what Islam telling, uh, is telling us as well, that we should cover the weakness of our partners as well. We should safeguard them as well from any pain, etc. Because every human being is weak, but together we can do more than any, uh, anything el anyone else. So be a garment of your partner as well, safeguard them uh, as well, and also do respect them as well. And because garment makes you beautiful, so stay with them, have a beautiful relationship as well. Yeah, listen, if you want to learn about Islam, if you have any questions about the human rights, about women's rights, about LBGT rights, you can call in or you can go at www.alislam.org or you can um, search on uh, YouTube as well. We have many, many videos in regards of this. You can learn so many things about Islam. Or if you want to learn more from the Voice of Islam Radio, then stay tuned with the Voice of Islam Radio. We have many, many programs here as well. We have the Dive Time Show. Or tomorrow we will be back with the Breakfast Show in the same time. Uh, dear listeners, thank you. Thank you to you, Tukir, as well for taking out your time today. Uh, thank, uh, thank you for to our producers, uh, Dania and Kanta, for making this show successful. Uh, thank you to our researchers, Hania, Barira, Kafia, Dania, Salia, and Halima. Dear listeners, um, again, have a good morning. Stay healthy. Um, the most important thing about everything is that we respect each other as well and that we follow the guidance uh, we are getting. Um, just before we go, one thing. I just want to mention is that uh, Islam is basically also a religion which is giving us guidance to how to live our life. 
And this is what we're portraying to the Voice of Islam radio. So if you want to learn more, stay tuned. Please and blessings of Allah be with you all.